Fashion Lab on cliffcentral.com. A very good afternoon and a warm welcome to Fashion Lab, the first ever fashion business radio talk show to go live within the African continent and globally. My name is Moik Peterson, a.k.a. Mo, and I'm one of your co-hosts on this phenomenal show known as Fashion Lab, the show that dissects the business behind fashion. We at Fashion Lab, we are passionate about growth and development of the African fashion industry, and that is why we are here every Friday from 1 to 2 um, Central African time on cliffcentral.com to discuss subject matters that influence our growth through these discussions, we could inspire the industry to change the way we have been doing things um, so we can get ahead. Sitting with me in studio this afternoon is our immaculate, beautiful, ever-radiant senior trend analyst, Miss Nicola Cooper, who will also be giving us later our trend analyst. Nicola, welcome back. It's been two weeks. Mo, missed you. Mo, can I just say how much I love you? <laughs> I missed you so much. Being in a hospital bed with yes. five other women felt like I was actually on the set of Orange is the New Black. <laughs> Wait, I, I must just quickly tell our listeners. So Nicola was um, not feeling too good um, some time ago and she was in hospital. So we went to go visit Liz and I and um, my co-producer. <laughs> so as we're walking, um, she's she's laying in one of the most fanciest wards. And as we go in, we get escorted into the ward. And as we're going, this old man says to, to Liz and I, are they real? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm so happy you're back, Nicola. I mean, you've been... You've been extremely busy, Cape Town, Durban, now back in Johannesburg. You had a little event going on. Well, a, kind of a big event for me. Um, it's oh, sorry. Ex- excuse me. Excuse yes, me. Excuse don't me. undermine <laughs> yes. it, Mo. Um, yes, for the first time, um, we sort of collaborated with the, the research department of the University of Johannesburg mm-hmm. and put on a subculture street culture exhibition around fashion in order to prompt discussion and thought around fashion and the documentation of African fashion and the importance of the documentation from a teaching perspective. So in a hundred years time, they can look back and people will have written and had really important conversations about street fashion in Africa because we we have not in the past, and a lot of our history of fashion in Africa has gone unwritten. Wow. So um, we've been pushing for this, you know, from the time that I, I was a lecturer of historical fashion studies, to, for this to be realized. And, and this is the first, and, and it covers the Izikultane, the Pansula, the Sartists, Kumbula, and, and all Young Africans making a phenomenal difference on the streets of fashion. Wow, Nicola, congratulations. Um, and getting right back into the show, we would like to encourage all our listeners and the people that tuned in that listen to us to please let us know what subject matters you would like to hear us dissect. Um, keep your tweets coming at Fashion Lab AF. You can also catch us on Instagram and send us your pictures of what you have on today, how you're looking. Um, Nicola's again looking absolutely stunning. She has this amazing um, leather skirt with this black and white tank top. She's looking extremely ready, ready, 
already. Um, this is where we are at every Friday from 1 to 2 p.m. Central African time. Nicklem, um, I have something that is that I really want to, um, to hear your opinion. Um, and this is our icebreaker. I'm sure everyone has heard about, um, Shopify teaming up with Twitter to implement a buy now button this week. What this means is that users will be able to buy products directly from social media sites, which is great for all us impulse buyers. Yes, that's, that, that's me too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but what does that mean for all our fashion houses, especially smaller ones who aren't mass producing their stock? Um, yes, what do you guys think to all our listeners? Again, please tweet us Fashion Lab, um, AF on Twitter. Also, you can get us on Fashion Lab Africa on Facebook. Um, will it be more or less beneficial to our smaller brands, Nicola? I think it's a dual-edged sword. I, I think that it's going to do what Instagram did, where it will democratize the availability of clothing, mm-hmm. which will give people with a mobile phone access to upload images from wherever they are. So if someone is within a rural area, yeah. they are still able to market and sell their goods, which I think is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, Will that take away from retailers? Um, in some cases, yes. Um, but, you know, in terms of Africa and specifically South Africa, mm-hmm. we've still got trust issues about purchasing online. We've still got a long way to go um, in terms of that trust and, and handing over our information. So there's a lot of things that I think they would have to overcome. Yeah. You know, and logistically, how do you get Something that's made in a rural township in the middle of wherever to someone in New York, those kinds of logistics will have to be taken care of. And I don't know how they're going to tackle those. But, you know, for me, I I think the making something available freely for everyone to use will give opportunities to people who live in areas that maybe don't have access to to um, the internet via a laptop and maybe just via a mobile phone. So I think, you know, I th- I, for me, I, I, I would engage in it. I, I'm all for change. I, I believe mm-hmm. um, uh, change drives fashion. So um, I, I, th- I think it's a good thing. Um, yeah. I, th- I think it gives a, a new platform, yeah. which is always welcome. Yeah. I think we also just have to sometimes be open-minded and accept new things and just see how it plays out organically. Uh, my co-host, uh, Mrs. Liz Ogumbaregisford, will not be joining us in studio today. She is all the way in Kenya. Good afternoon, Lizzie, and I hope you're listening to the show. Nicola and I and uh, Misha, we miss you so much yes, and we, we cannot wait for you to come back home. And back to our topic of discussion today on the show we are discussing a very controversial and debatable topic that is around mass production and we are um and we are asking the question is mass production the way forward and what impact does it have within the african continent and the rest of the globe and um, today joined in studio um, by our special guest and professionals within their field, um, Justine Kutzer, um, owner and head designer of Augustine. Um, welcome onto the show, um, Justine. Um, we also joined in studio by 
Matthias and um, Matthew, please come on to the thing because you know I have a problem with yes, this. Yes, how are I, you? I've been thinking. <laughs> I've been thinking about this. He said, Matthias, Ma- Matthew, Matthew, please. Matthias, Matthias. Matthias, Matthias. Matthew, yes. that is so complicated. Why? It is such a rock star name. Matthias, Matthias. Wow. Wow. Uh, th- thank you, mom. <laughs> <laughs> and Matthias, Matthias is also the accessory um, manager from um, Augustine. We have Judy Wang. Emma. That's that's beautiful. Yeah. Judy right. Wong. Uh, to all, to everyone that's listening, I've been practicing um, everyone's last name because I have a bit of a problem. And Judy is the owner and head designer at um, Bespoke. Just a quick reminder: we have a very interesting segment at the end of our show called "Who Would um, You Want to Dress?" I want to encourage you to think about it and share it with us at the end of the show when we will reveal our who's and. Wise. Um, keep your tweets coming um, in at Fashion Lab um, AF or Insta us Fashion Lab Africa. Welcome to the show, everyone. Now, Justine, I want to um, go directly and start with you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to make sure you're ready enough, and prepared. Yeah. Yes. yes. Just in you established Augustine in, in, in 2010, which is a local menswear brand with a reputation for detail. But the serendipity is, and we were speaking about it outside, is that you actually graduated from the South African School of Motion Picture. Yes. <laughs> Where did the interest for fashion design come from and uh, what made you start Augustine? I think as always, as a, you know, even from a young age, age I was always in, into fashion but mostly into more I was more of a tomboy so I never really liked women's clothes ever it had to be structured and when I went to AFTA I actually majored in production design mm-hmm. and w- over there you can choose either you want to be a set designer or you want to be in wardrobe and mostly I was in the wardrobe side and doing men's sets which really um, I just was really good at it and then ap- upon completing AFTA I went to go stay in London for a year and I just fell in love with the whole tailoring culture mm. over there. And I saw a gap in South Africa back then because, I mean, it's 2010. And, yeah, when I got back, I, I started Augustine. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, and again, I'm just saying it's so many people that we've brought onto the show, mm. you know, has not necessarily studied fashion, but they're doing absolutely amazing. I think also it's because um, you guys understand the business element behind fashion design and you guys concentrate. Yes, you know, we're all creatives in this industry, but at the end of the day, we shouldn't forget that we have to be business people, mm, you yes. know, because we're always just thinking and thinking and thinking. Yes. Um, Matthew, um, just to come back to you, sir, you know, yeah. I, I must say congratulations. Um, a, con- a congratulations is in order um, for your new position, obviously at Augustine, and also yeah. you know you are on big on one of the biggest reality programs, um, um, Big Brother Mzanzi. But now correct, you're yes. in fashion, but you've always been in fashion. I remember when I got back from um, the USA, the first person I met was with you, but you were already in um, the fashion industry. Yeah. Um, so Matthew, the brand Augustine, obviously I know you're newly involved, and but I'm sure you have a lot of knowledge already about what is going on within um, the company and with, with, within the brand. Um, the brand Augustine, um, it merges traditional tailoring methods with modern and um, symmetrical elements. Do you think it is possible to achieve your standards on a mass production scale? And what impact will it have on your business going um, from more tailor-made, bespoke to ready-to-wear, which involves... Um, you know, mass producing. Are you, are you, how's that? Well, uh, first of all, let me say personally, I'm against um, mass production. Mm. Asia is, is already producing like demons. 
So in my opinion, I'm against mass production and it takes away from the exclusivity, which Augustine is all about. And you do feel more special if you get something that you know there's only 10 of or 20 of. So in my opinion, I don't think, uh, I think Justine can back me up on this one as well, is that we, we don't want to do mass production. Yeah, it's, it's something that it's I want to make, like it's a proudly made in Johannesburg. Like mm-hmm. it's, it, we don't want to make huge quantities. We want to show people that it's made here yeah, and it's quality, which is what the brand really stands for is quality. Yeah, I think, mm. um, Augustine, I, I mean, I'm a huge fan of, um, of the brand and I'm a huge fan of you. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I, you know, I think what's quite interesting is, is that you speaking to a new kind of consumer, which is, is a more informed consumer than one that consumes fast fashion. And, um, and, you know, I, I just last night received a link for a film that's going to be released quite soon and, and it's entitled The True Cost. Mm-hmm. And it's about behind the scenes of mass production and, and fast fashion. And I think it's going to open the eyes of, mm-hmm. of many people as to the price that you pay for some, and I'm saying some fast fashion because some of the mass mm-hmm. production is done very, very ethically. But I think, you know, it's, in trend, there is always the pendulum swing and you have the fast fashion and then you have the bespoke or mm. the uh, tailored or anything like that. And I think that your brand speaks to the person that wants to have a story. Yes, I think it's it's people who, who don't just buy into cheap buys. Like they want to feel this speaks to them and it's made in like a quality manner and – a lot of our clients are they only wear one of a kind garments. Yes. So there is a, is a, it's a small market for now, but people are slowly becoming aware of that, those products, like the quality that's behind it. I also feel South Africans still need to trust South African designers on a quality level. Yes. Yeah. Like they, st- we, we still not trust. Like people yeah. still think, oh, it's a South African design and the quality is not going to be yeah. as good as international. Yeah. So that to me is one of the biggest problems we still have. But Nicola, coming back to you. So are you saying, I've, 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 I've picked up a little what you were saying to Justine. Are you against mass production? Are you, are you against for a, de- a, a, a designing house, a local designing house to go big? Are no. you against that? No, I'm not against mass production. I think that you can do mass production in an ethical manner. Mm-hmm. And I think that some designers should go um, mass yeah. because I think that they speak to a larger audience. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a matter of taste. And I think fast fashion and the concept of imitation versus differentiation, which is the driver of fashion. So when someone's wearing something and someone else wears the same thing, it means that that has to change. Yeah. And fast fashion contributes to that cog, which means that if we didn't have that cog, nothing would move. Yeah. And, and that's a very important cog because it doesn't only just make money. Mm-hmm. It forces people to change their minds and be one step ahead of the game. Yeah. But, you know, I do think that, um, I think that there is, you know, clouded areas around mass production. And for me, I find it quite ironic that in South Africa, that we don't reach out to other countries in Europe or Turkey or anywhere else to mass produce for us. Yeah. Because it's not a strength in our country mm-hmm. at present. Yeah. Um, so why are we so against mass producing outside 
of Africa. Mm-hmm. Because it, it seems silly to me that, and I'm just going to use an example. I'm a Parisian designer. Mm-hmm. I'm going to design for Parisians and I'm going to make in Paris and I'm going to sell in Paris. Yeah. For me, that's the mentality of most South African designers. Yeah. I'm going to make in South Africa for South Africans. Why do that to yourself? Don't you want to sell in New York? Don't you want yeah. to sell in Japan? Yeah. You know, and if mass production is not your strong point, then why aren't we using the ones that are good enough for Gucci or Absolutely. Louis Vuitton or Absolutely. anybody else that is sustainable and is ethical? So... You know, I think I kind of pose that to local designers. Like, why aren't you using your strength as designers, Mm -hmm. designing the goods, making sure that they're made properly Mm -hmm. and being able to spread around the world? Yeah. I love when you speak, Nicola. If if, if our audience could just see Nicola's face expression. (laughs) It's so passionate. Dude, I'm intense. (laughs) I'm intense. Judy, coming to you um, as the owner of Bespoke, you know, um, your business is very specialized and, um, I mean, you customize men's shirts, you know, and... I think we can agree that mass production is a bit out of the question for bespoke shirts. How would you go about competing with um, some of the bigger brands that have a similar target market but is mass production? Because it is a bit tricky, you know, and, and, and I think in the same sense, I don't know about customized shirts, but shirts can be mass produced and it, it, it can be a bigger business, um, become into a multi-business. No, I completely understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, the thing with bespoke, though, um, and sort of where we're coming from from a business model perspective, is that we are customizing shirts to fit you specifically. Okay. So there's a huge trend now towards slim fit. Yeah. But you've got to understand that slim fit at you know Woolworths is completely different yeah. to yes. slim fit at Edgar's. Yeah. And to find the one that's slim fit to fit you, well, I think that's going to take quite a while. So you can come to bespoke, and then we just make it up for you. Um, and it's just so much easier. And then also at the price point at which we're charging these shirts at, um, if you compare it to your country roads and, you know, your polo shirts or, you know, any of those really good quality shirts, which is really what we are producing, um, it's really incredibly competitive. Mm. So, are you, are you, is, is there a particular cotton that you're using? I know um, the client can come in and choose their own cufflinks, can choose their own collar, can choose their own buttons, can choose their own. But it, isn't that a little bit tricky, Nicola? I mean, is, do you think it's, it could, it could become tricky? You know what? I'm, I'm going to speak from someone that has had clothes specifically tailored for me because mostly I have really long monkey arms. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I am, um, willowy in build and it's, it's difficult to find clothes that fit me. Um, and I, I think that what South African consumers don't understand is that if you're looking at something that is bespoke or made or tailor made for you, there's a massive difference in the way that it fits you and the way that it makes you feel and in your, your, your attitude. But at the same time, there, there's not enough consumer research done. And I mean, from the consumer themselves for them to understand that it's actually not that more expensive. In yeah. fact, sometimes it's in alignment with a suit from Tiger of Sweden, yet it's made specifically to fit you. And, and that's, that's where I go, I go like, why would you buy something off, off the shelf when you can get something special and, yeah. and made for you? 
at at this reasonably yeah. the same cost. Yeah. So So Judy about about how many shirts would you say like in a month do you like turn around like what's your orders like? Uh, well, sure. That's really difficult to say. It really mm-hmm. depends. I mean, we've got clients coming in and ordering 10 shirts at a time. And to be honest, that's the type of clients that we're really targeting from the perspective of mm-hmm. we're really just looking for guys who wear shirts every day. Mm-hmm. And yes. ultimately, all they really want is a shirt that fits them properly to fit their monkey arms. And the fact yeah. that they've got this <laughs> massive broad shoulders, which I love yeah. and, you know, and, and to be comfortable and, and sort of, you know, have shirts that is that makes them feel great, you know, like. Um, Nicola was saying like having something made for you is incredibly special I know another thing as well um, is for me uh, as as somebody that that creates um, you know like once off pieces for for clients at Augustine when a client comes in once you see the look on their face once they fit it it's rewarding and I feel that in working in your job you should feel yeah. that your job is rewarding you should enjoy it so that's another aspect with um, making custom clothing is that you yeah. feel you wake up in the morning and you want to go to work yes. but it's I so also different. think that uh, p- some people think it's a bit of a mission to come in and get measured and weighted out and stuff and um, it's the best feeling <laughs> I think ever. A, a mall is more <laughs> of a mission it's, it's the best feeling but once ever. they get in there and they actually get, get the suit or the shirt mm. and they wear it like I only wear my own made shirts and it's just wow. the fit is completely you can't compare it you don't even wear your shirts that you buy from the store anymore absolutely so yeah now Jiddy and back to you like when um, when it comes to what you're doing right with, with the whole shirts that you're busy doing do you think in the future but you know gathering from what you said that you're looking into going into mass production into producing um a, a bigger number and having ready to wear stuff hang for your clients? No, that's really not where we're going at the moment. Okay. Um, in terms of if we were really looking into the future, and we've obviously got a lot of exciting plans and um you know um there's a lot of things that we're thinking of um doing, it would always be around custom making so it will always be bespoke um, as the name says so we'll never go into mass production we'll never go into sort of you know a collection and, and you sort of choose a piece from it and we'll make it in large for you because that kind of closely approximates sort of your sizing mm-hmm. um, if we were to go into sort of something else um, we are actually working on a special project at the moment um, where we actually making uh, customized uh, polo shirts oh wow um, so we're starting with a uh, supercar club um, and uh, we are designing um, a polo shirt for them for their club members um, where they obviously first and foremost is going to fit them absolutely perfectly yeah. um, and then it's high quality fabrics and they choose the color that they want um, we've got ra- racing stripes on there. They can put their numbers, um, their names, um, and we've got the club logo. All of those things on on the polo shirt, and um, that's kind of like where we're starting. But um, in the long run, I'd like to sort of make polo shirts specifically custom made uh, for our clients um, because I love the idea of sort of dressing men from Monday to Sundays. Hmm. Because you know, with most guys at a certain age, um, you're not going to be wearing t-shirts on the weekend. It just becomes a little little bit too casual so a polo shirt is kind of your in-betweener so if i could sort of dress my clients from mondays to sundays i think i'd be quite pleased wow wow 
Um, if you have just joined us and you're tuning in, you are listening to Fashion Lab Radio Show, um, the very first fashion and business radio talk show to go live um, within Africa and also globally. We'll be taking a short break. We'll be right back after the break with Nicola Cooper and her trend report. Do not go away. Keep it locked and we'll see you right after the break. Keeping it real. On cliffcentral.com. Welcome back and you are tuned in to Fashion Lab right here on cliffcentral.com every Friday from 1 to 2 p.m. We're going straight into our trend report with our senior trend analyst Nicola Cooper. The floor is all yours, ma'am. Thank you very much. So this week's um, uh, trend report is uh, speaking about autumn, winter, 2016, and I know that's, that's quite far ahead, but I thought since we have menswear designers, um, in the room that I would speak about a, a specific menswear trend that might appeal to uh, the bespoke, um, sort of collection of designers in, in the country. So, um, just so that you know, you can catch me on at Nicola Coop on Twitter and hashtag ask Nicola Cooper if you've got any questions regarding this trend or the show. But what the trend I'm speaking about today is, is called worn out, which is kind of where I was last week. <laughs> um, and it's inspired by industrial spaces. Um, but it appreciates functionality, utility, and it's a about the guy that's not afraid to get his hands dirty. So what it's what it's starting to tap into is um, the toughness and hand rendered qualities on fabrics, on finishes. So it's it's brushed steel buttons. It's beaten um, and tarnished denim. It is hand treated um, elements, hand dyeing for it to have a look that is similar to a prized hand-me-down or something that was born, that was bought from, um, you know, from a thrifting store um, in the way that it it is almost vintage, but in, you know, controlled vintage. The designer controls how the aesthetic is. And it is a trend that really, um, acknowledges the beauty of the aging of fabric, which I think is, is quite beautiful. And in terms of, you know, the finishes and color palettes, you know, it's all quite rich and dark and earthy. And you speaking about like really deep seeded chocolate brown leathers mm. and deep Hands and you know it's almost like that well-worn travel bag yeah. that you see that you want to snap off that guy in the airport. Um, so it's really a trend that you know has um, almost um, imperfections, and and in a, in its way it pays homage to the perfectly imperfect. And I wanted to sort of pose that as a trend out there. Um, uh, because it is a definitive ter- trend for 2016 and thought um, I would ask the bespoke crew in terms of would you apply that kind of trend in bespoke? Sorry, currently that it, I'm obsessed with that right now. We were actually I was actually about getting it. deja vu as you were speaking because that's <laughs> exactly morning. what Should I, I show you the images in front I, of me. I was just talking to Matt before we got here and my way of telling it was like, this really classy woman walking in with a beautiful, um, tailored sleek iPad sleeve, but she's in a factory and she's throwing it around and it's got a little bit of marks and it, yeah, it's, it's a trend that I am absolutely loving and it's definitely going to be an Augustine's autumn winter 
16 collection coming up. So, yeah, I think it's one of the it's, – it's definitely applicable. I even had a client come in and mm-hmm. we made him a shirt, a dress shirt, but he wanted me to have the back of the shirt. It was frayed. As wow. if it had been worn out, but it's still very classy shirt. So it's definitely something that we, we've been working with and especially now with the Augustine Raw accessories. It's got that whole industrial, dirty, but yet sleek look. And it, to me, it's one of my favorite. And a lot of, uh, a lot of rough stitching. Yeah. There's still actually, it looks rough, but there's, there's quite a lot of order in the stitching mm-hmm. process when you do the hand stitching. Yes. So on the shirt that we did for Tristan, the customer she's speaking mm-hmm. about, we actually, Sewed on where it looked like the shirt was broken, but the we placard on the like really formal on. dress shirt looked like it was torn off and then stitched. So it's 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 definitely it can be even be applied to our um, bespoke side where clients do come in. They want a really formal dress shirt, but they want these little distress touches on it. And uh, yeah, I think it works. I I think what's quite mm. interesting for me about this specific trend and and what really drove this trend is um you know obviously dealing with the exhibition that I am am contributing to at the moment um having academic discussions which is a whole other story about clothing but I found out that the way of defining or differentiating your clothing goes back as far as the African-American slaves, where they were given a prescribed uniform. But the way that they would differentiate themselves from others is that they would stitch on a, a button mm. or a piece of ribbon that they had found in um, in in the field or on the ground or whatever to differentiate themselves from one another, and I thought that was so beautiful mm-hmm. and so poetic. Mm-hmm. And in this day and age of fast fashion, that it tells such a beautiful story about a sense of individuality mm. and wanting to be an individual that bespoke. Clothing yes, brings just shows you how far back it's gone. It's just that need to have that little bit of individuality in our clothing. So yes, that's <laughs> the the trend, and I'm I'm going to give you sort of key um, sort of takeouts for that. Is it, it is reminiscent of the rugged outdoors? It, you know, it's got to look lived in. You know, and um, there specific aging techniques, specifically with denims. Denim is coming back in such a massive way for 2016 in every shape and form, in every style. Even the seventies flair, help us, please. Um, <laughs> yes, and but it also involves natural textures and finishes, a back to nature approach, aged and treasured finds, and um, the changing of seasons. And and I'm just going to take that into more of a personal anecdote. Um, I'm Scottish, if in, in case you didn't know, um, very. Um, <laughs> and when I was um, on a trip to New York a number of years ago, I went into Urban Outfitters, one of my favorite stores in America, and um, I found a limited edition pair of Nike sneakers. And what Nike had done is um, the Scottish fabric brand um, – Harris Tweed Mm -hmm. was actually going into liquidation. And this has a strong heritage, um, Scottish heritage. They make all the tartans and the tweeds for Scottish people. And in order to save that heritage, Nike collaborated with them and did a limited edition sneaker range with Harris Tweed. And um, for me, 
that is the perfect amalgamation where Nike gets it so right from a mass production yeah. perspective because they incorporate heritage and narrative and story mm-hmm. and, and individuals and, and collaborates in that way. And I think that's what this trend is about, is about the combination of those elements. So that is the trend report for this week. Thank you so yes. much, Nicola. That was Nicola Cooper, our senior trend analyst, right here on Fashion Lab. And you can catch her with the trend report every Friday from 1 to 2. You can also connect with them. Um, Nicola Cooper on Twitter. And um, you can ask her anything regarding trends. Um, now, Justine, coming back to you. Yes. Um, you guys are going into ready to wear. Yeah. Um, what, what, what brought that about for you guys to go into ready to wear and to get a ready to wear collection? So I think what happens is we've got all these guys coming in wanting suits and then they're in the store and then they want, they're like, don't you guys have t-shirts? Don't you guys mm. have shorts? And yeah. you know, it's always, it's like an impulse buy when they come in and they're waiting around. And, um, yeah, it's something that we touched on in the past. Uh, but it's something that Matt also now came on board that we're mm. going to be focusing on. Um, yeah, so uh, we're actually going to be opening up a store in Newtown. Oh, nice. It's called the the workshop. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be having a space there where Matt's also going to be, be there sitting. And you can uh, see how he makes his leather products handmade. But all of the ready-to-wear vests, shirts and stuff will be there. It's just something that's uh, – I think it's also just – it's a nice thing to do also on the side. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a bit of a – it's more of a passion than anything else. I think else. from a business perspective, it's also mm. something that you can make a higher profit on. Yeah, it's easy you know, turnaround uh, time and sales. Exactly, and, yeah. and it makes perfect sense because inevitably you are a business and mm. you need to make money. Yeah. And on those elements, you are able to make additional amounts of money that you couldn't do on a bespoke. Yeah, I mean, and those are, like I said, like Nicholas says, they're quick sells. Like, they're in there, people buy them, and it's a quick turnover. And the other thing is that it's not really going to be, because we are speaking about mass production. So, I I don't know if you guys have seen that sometimes people would do, like, one of 50. Mm. So, I think that's the direction uh, Justine and I were speaking about. The limited edition. You do have... a. a number of vests available, but not everyone's going to have it, mm. but mm. more than just the custom made stuff. So to keep that, uh, so it's, a, it's at a smaller nice. quantity. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Matthew, now that you're on the mic, um, we're speaking about, um, accessories, right? And I yes. know you, you, when it comes to accessories, your bags, your, from your yeah. laptop pouches, your, I'm so excited, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Accessories, why? Why, Augustine? Why accessories? Um, Why that collaboration? To give you, to give you a bit of background, my mom has actually been working in the upholstery industry for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. So I've always been around it. So I bought a camera. I studied photography as well. I bought a camera, but couldn't afford to buy a camera bag. Yeah. So there was a bit of leather laying around. Picked it up, started cutting, started sewing, and put my camera in there, went out, and people were asking me, where did you get that bag? So I saw that I got a positive reaction, and then I just started making more and more things. So it's all mm-hmm. self-taught. From there, I moved on to shoes, um, accessories, bags. I just love leather. Leather is timeless. It ages well. Mm-hmm. It's durable. 
you can't go wrong with leather. Yeah. Mm. So I know the, you love leather. Man. I love leather. <laughs> <laughs> so on the on the leather side of yeah. things, um, I also like it because you can incorporate it with other fabrics. Yes. You can incorporate it onto clothing as well. So for me, I'm my goal is to be the the leather guru in South Africa in the fashion industry. Awesome. Speaking about that, um, Justine, are you guys looking as Augustine to penetrate the rest of Africa? Are you looking at for the future? Yes, definitely. We've got. Big plans coming up. We've actually also got a um, collaboration with an international um, hip hop artist. Hip hop artist, Capso. That's amazing. Yeah, he, he recently yeah. did a song with uh, yeah. Wycliffe Sean. So we'll be the yeah. official um, des- fashion designers for his new music videos coming out. They're going to be playing in Paris, New York. Congratulations! Congratulations! Wow. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, local our local designers. Um, you guys are doing absolutely amazing. Um, Judy, are you looking at um, you know penetrating the African um, the Pan African? A market with your shirts Well at the moment I think really What we want to do Is dress every um, Fantastic man In Johannesburg yeah. um, That does go to work And um, do wear shirts Five days a week And, and that's sort of Our goal at the moment um, And then once we've done that Yeah definitely I think uh, Africa is really The way to go And, and the way forward It's so untapped At the moment yeah. Absolutely um, JB how can people Get hold of you um, If they want to You know Maybe get an order or just have more information on these amazing shirts that you're busy doing. Um, I think the best way would be to go onto our website, uh, www.bespoked, uh, with the D, uh, sa.co.za. Um, so it's B-E-S-P-O-K-E-D, sa.co.za. Um, and then drop us a mail. Um, and yeah, we'll be in touch. Um, with you, Justine, how can people get hold of the um, Augustine okay, brand? I'm really bad at social media. I'm still getting there. I'm more of like, and luckily Instagram. you have Matthew now. Yeah, he's, yeah, Matthew he's needs to now assist you. I've told yeah. him that. I'm still waiting. Um, <laughs> the best for me is just go on our website, www.augustineclothing.co.za, and everything's there from our email to our telephone, and then you can just get a hold of us. So now that exciting segment is coming up, and I know if Liz is listening in Kenya, this is one of her favorite um, segments: is who you want to dress and why. Um, it, it's also it's 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 not necessary that the person is has a bad sense of dressing, but let's let let's choose them. But also just <laughs> a particular person who and why you want to dress them. Nicola, do you want to go? So our guest can maybe think about who would you, who do you want to dress this week. Um, you know what? I'm going to take it from the queue and I'm going to just totally drop this, but I own an Augustine suit. Uh huh. Um, I was, I was, I was waiting. I was waiting. Um, a bespoke Augustine suit and, um, and when I wear it specifically, it turns heads dramatically and I mostly wear it to interviews with big wigs and mostly men. And so I would like to dress the professional female with the power suit and encourage them to start rocking a suit um, because I know what it feels like to have something custom made for you and um, and I know the the attraction that it gets and I know the feeling that it gives you in terms of empowerment and I think there are many wonderful entrepreneurs in South Africa, female entrepreneurs, that could rock that wow. cut, that look. Yeah. Wow. Nicola, why must you always come on here and just be so phenomenal? 
<laughs> Phenomenal. It's because I own an Augustine suit. <laughs> also, to all our listeners and our audience that listens, please do send us your Instagram at Fashion Lab yes. Africa. We want to see who do you want to dress or even like how you're looking today. You um, can even take a snapshot of someone that's really ratchet. Yes. <laughs> yes. And say, I want to change this. <laughs> please. <laughs> Judy, um, who would you want to dress and why? Um, I think I've mentioned earlier, I'd love to dress every single man in Johannesburg. Uh, I love the way she says that so essentially. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so seductive. I was like, I'd you like can dress, dress me. <laughs> it's part of the charm. <laughs> I'm like, dress me. Let's take up this burgundy suit. <laughs> so I'd love to dress every single man in Johannesburg that wears um, shirts to work. And um, especially the ones that are wearing a shirt just a little bit too baggy for them. You know, they, mm. they have to to sort of wear a baggy shirt because that's the only shirt that fits on their shoulders or the only shirt that's long enough to tuck into their shirt, uh, into their trousers or anybody who is just looking to look sort of good and make an impact. But Tell I want to say, who still wears box suits or <gasps> loose fitted shirts? I can, I'm like, I can show you some people. More than uh, you'll be there's surprised. So many, when there's I so see many that, like, I just become blind. I'm like, sir, what are yeah. you doing? No, we live in a bubble. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I feel like, I, I honestly feel like walking around with my business card and really literally handing them out as I walk around, um, just, just because. I lovingly refer to it as a come to Jesus talk. <laughs> 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 literally, come here now. <laughs> you can make it come to Judy talk. <laughs> Judy, I, I'm sure after this you're going to be selling a lot of those shirts with that seductive voice. Um, um, Justine, who would you want oh, to dress in more? So many people yeah. see on a daily basis. But the one thing that gets to me is people that wear jeans with those boot flare legs. <gasps> it, yes. When I see someone like that, I just want to take them in. And yes. How can you walk? You know how many yes. people walk around like that? It's just, it's shocking. I just want to dress all of those them. Those should be banned, those actually. Be, and it, it's like, yeah, it's a big thing in South Africa. But you know, just something that we were saying is that fashion <laughs> is such, it's such a unique thing to oneself because you can have all the money in the world, but you can just not buy fashion. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and I see sometimes a lot of people who have money, you know, they always buy just expensive, exp- and when they don't have you style. S- yes, it looks horrible. And I'm like, don't tell me you're wearing Versace and Dodge and Gabbana. You better sit down with that ugly outfit you have on. On, on that note, <laughs> Justine, I had a come to Jesus talk with a friend of mine that was wearing, uh, come to Judy, flared oh, jeans. <laughs> And he stopped talking to me for three months for unsolicited fashion advice. That's how these people are so in love with that cut. I think that we maybe we should we should start our own fashion police here in Johannesburg, South Africa. I mean, he really stopped speaking to me. Name and shame. Name and shame. You were actually just doing him a big favor. You were doing all of us a big favor. And And he did phone me up months later and go, you know, I didn't realize I had so many pairs, and I realize now that I hate them. (laughs) (laughs) So I did say. I told you so. Yeah, it's different if you had one pair. If his whole wardrobe was filled with it, then you can understand exactly. why he was quiet for a while. Wow. <laughs> um, Matthias? Uh, this is this is very obvious for me. Mm-hmm. Not that he doesn't have style at the moment, yeah. but just because of where he is, what he's doing, and the fact that he's South African, I would love to make accessories 
clothing, everything for the golden boy of South Africa right now, Mr. Trevor Noah. Absolutely. Oh. Yes. And, he is a and you know what? Actually, if you, you stole guys, my person, man. You, you stole can, my person. <laughs> you can pull a few strings. Um, if anybody has Trevor's details, could you please... He Pass actually features in my new trend talk. I would, I would, I would love wow. to make him something special, um, just to congratulate him because I'm quite patriotic mm. and I'm very proud of him. So yeah, yeah, Trevor Halle, bro, and he's hot, dude. <laughs> he just he he really took the person uh, because I also wanted to dress Trevor. Let me give my reason why. I think Trevor's always neatly. Well put together, mm-hmm. like this. He he looks after himself. He, he's a met, he's, he's a metrosexual man. Mm. He looks after himself. But I think they, there's still some stuff that he can tweak to not make it look that clean, ah, that clean. You know, like something a quirk factor. And especially because he's from the African continent. He's from the motherland. And I'm not saying now go and you know do, but just something small, something different. I mean, he is already so unique. In the position that he's sitting with the accent that he has and for, with all the, whatever they had in the USA. But I think he needs, with that neat look, just a spice. What do you think, Nicola? Like just something I d- different. I do think, although. Maybe change the lapels or like do something different, you know? He recently featured in, in GQ in a really beautiful shoot where he was wearing tweeds and he was in roller skates and stuff like that. And I think that side of his personality mm. needs to be addressed in his clothing. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. But you know, us people of, of, of color, of, 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 of mixed race, you know, we're always well put together. You are. <laughs> we're always well put together. You know, we're one of those guys when we're sitting at a restaurant and a couple is walking past and then the girlfriend like, you know, looks at you with her eyes. <laughs> it's like, men better start dressing up so your girlfriends and people can stop looking at us that look so fine or every day. Or people in hospitals <laughs> ask if you're real. <laughs> 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 um, Nicola, um, or anyone that, that's sitting here with us in studio, um, any parting shots to all our listeners out there that's listening to us, not just here in South Africa, but all over the world. Nicola, what would your, your, your parting shots be? I think I'm extremely proud of, and it sounds so lame. Um, I think we are really defining ourselves um, as a fashion business holistically, fashion designers, manufacturers, we're starting to change our minds, which mm-hmm. is pivotal um, and a long time coming. And I think that, you know, brands like Bespoke and Augustine refusing to take the beaten path of those before them um, are changing the attitudes of, of fashion in this country. And when I was Judy, Justine, Matthias? Yeah, I just, um, give local a shot, support your, your own designers. Like, there's brilliant designers out here currently in South Africa, the young ones. Amazing. The talent is just phenomenal. Yeah. Judy, do you have anything? Um, it, it's been quite interesting. I think the past sort of few weeks I've been attending some talks and, uh, there's been all this talk about Generation Y and Generation mm. X and, you know, a lot of debate around it. And one of the things that I've really taken away from it is I feel like at the moment it's an age of individualism and all of us are really wanting to be ourselves and sort of be different to everyone else. And um, all I want to say is sort of embrace that. Um, show people who you are and the way you dress and the way you speak and, you know, the things that you do. Um, and, yeah, just be different, you know, be yourself. Matthew? Uh, from my side, I'd say for South Africans, designers, 
a lot of a, a lot of the designers have very great ideas. There's a lot of raw talent in South Africa. However, we don't have the business savvy. Mm. We don't have the business aspect of that. So in that regard, I've noticed a change where designers are starting to kind of get clued up with how to manage a label. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, and I think that currently on all levels, South Africa is a force to be reckoned with. And yeah, I'm just excited for the future. And yeah, bread and butter, hopefully Berlin sometime soon. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but yeah, fashion, fashion, everything in South Africa right now is really, I, I think the world needs to watch out. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. I want to leave everyone that's listening and even the ones that's going to download the podcast. Let's start believing in ourselves. As Africans, you know, because so many people undermine and undervalue their potential when we have so much potential within our own continent. And if we stand together, we can make a difference for the future of this country and where fashion is going to. Because in 2040, it's been predicted that people are no longer looking at what the rest of the world is doing, but what we are doing as as Africa. So it's about time that we believe in ourselves and we stand and we are proudly mm. African and not just South African and support each other. I think um, if I can, I would like to encourage um, those who haven't been to the exhibition who are, are in Josie um, to go see hyper sampling identities, Josie style at um, the Fada Gallery um, of uh, University of Johannesburg, because this is the first time that South African street culture has has been viewed in an academic and um, curated environment. And I think there's certain aspects of the lifestyle that you will get insight into that you haven't before. And it's, it's really quite beautiful to see these unsung heroes um, give, given the value that they, they deserve. Absolutely. Thank you so much to all our guests for joining us this afternoon in studio. It's been an absolute pleasure having you with us and for you guys contributing to our subject matter, which was a mass production. Thank also, thank you, you to Nicola Cooper. Um, thank you for joining us um, today on the show. Please connect with us on www.fashionlabafrica.com and share with us what topics you would like to hear um, from the show to help us elevate the African fashion industry. We'd like to hear from you. Um, also, do tweet us um, at Fashion Lab Africa AF on Twitter. Um, Fashion Lab Africa on Instagram We're on Tumblr um, And Facebook um, Please do download um, our podcast And share with everyone That's within our industry So we can all learn From this amazing show Please download and share the podcast Thank you again It's been an absolute pleasure Have a phenomenal weekend ahead of you Ciao, ciao, bye-bye Fashion Lab on cliffcentral.com